Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. I am your other host, Becky Grimlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. All right, my dudes, we have a special episode tonight. We're going to be talking about some craziness going on with Mr. Manson. I bet you guys didn't think we'd be talking about him again, but... Uh, Sometimes things come up. Yeah, so... That's what she said. But anyway, before we get in there, Love before we get Love. in there, that's what she said. Listen, guys, I, I hope you like Michael Scott. No, um, this is not an office episode. Oh my God, it's happening. It's happening. What's the procedure? Anyway, so, before we get into tonight's episode this evening, a word from our sponsor. Calm your body down. I love you. I swear. My brain. So, literally, I started the podcast and had to redo the beginning because I, I hit record and I was like, hey. I think we got distracted talking about all the craziness with the Taylor Swift. It's me. <laughs> Hi. Anyway, that's Ticketmaster right now. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. So, next week, uh, as promised last week the sale will be on for the holiday till the end of the year and uh the big surprise coming back the um snowman bath bombs the snowman bath bombs from last year will be coming back this year so those will be available next week um as well as the sale i don't know how much the sale is going to be yet i think possibly 20 percent. but those announcements will all be on instagram everything's at calm your body down instagram and etsy uh the Link for the Etsy shop is also in the bio of the Instagram. Happy holidays. Happy Hey, guys, holidays. it is here. It is cold. It is so cold outside. It uh, I mean, it kind of gets you ready you for know, it a little bit. I have to admit, oh, real quick. Calm your body down. <laughs> we have to um, end the promo. Like, hold on. <laughs> Saturday, we actually got a good amount of snow here. I don't know about you guys, but we actually got a decent... It actually continuously snowed for about a couple hours. I have family that lives in Indiana that got four inches of snow. No. So, yeah. So, we... I about threw up when my dad told me that. I was like, absolutely not. Well, it was funny because I stayed the night with my girlfriend, and then we got up, and she was she went to the kitchen to make some coffee, and then I went to the kitchen with her, and I looked out. I didn't even know what was happening. And then I looked outside, and I was like, Ew. And then, so here's what happened. So what happened was we had to go to Aldi and we always go to Dunkin'. Like, that's our thing. On Saturday mornings, we go to Dunkin'. And what did I get? Of course, I got a peppermint mocha because basic white bitch. And all of a sudden, I had a peppermint white mocha hot in my hand. It was snowing. And I looked at her and I said, I know what I need to do. <laughs> I went to my radio. I turned it to 93.3. And they were playing an old classic Christmas song. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh. If anybody is. doesn't know what 93.3 is, it is a very Christian very radio Christian. station in Cincinnati, Ohio. And the one thing I used to listen to it back in the day same. when I was in Star 93.3. No, listen. The one thing I well, hate. they sponsored Spirit Song at Kings Island, and you got the giant ninety. Listen, I, the big ninety three three stickers that they would give you, the one with. The okay, so anybody that uh, 
went to Spirit Song in the early 2000s and you like, tell me you, you were, were in high religious. school and you were in high school. I was there. I was there. I was there, y'all. <laughs> I would go to Spirits. I would go back to Spirit Song in a heartbeat. I'm, I'm not okay, even but kidding. Listen, I like legit. Some of I legit those songs had the are best still time. a good jam. I had the best time at both of them. I got to see fucking DC Talk. I got to see Audio Adrenaline. I got to see the Newsboys. I got to see, uh, what's his name after DC Talk broke up? Uh, Toby Mac. I got to see fucking Toby. Like, I got to, these were bands that I really liked. That to this day, I do a little, get a little bad, feel a little, a little Christian today. Put on a little, a little Christian rock pop. Whatever. One thing that's the Christian playlist on Spotify are wild. I love all Listen, of them. I love I am all, all of, of a them. sudden in my youth group again. One hundred percent. But no, like it was I hate what 93.3 does because during the Christmas season they'll play one classic and then they'll play a Christian band. Right. Christmas yeah, of song. Course. Nine times out of ten, I don't like them. Especially David Crowder. I can't fucking stand <laughs> the David Crowder band. Help, hey! Like, that's what he sounds like. And I can't. That is whiny. Oh, God. No, he's not the good kind of whiny either. He's like, help, hey! Is there hey. a good whiny? Where are you? Okay, that's a good, that's a good whiny. That is a good Emo whiny. Emo whiny. It's good. But like, all of a sudden, Third Day was playing, and I was like, suction back to my youth. I was like, that's Third Day. <laughs> I know that voice. He has such a yeah. specific oh, yeah. voice. But yep. yeah, and then all of a sudden, they played the Carpenters, and I was like, I'm done. It's Christmas time. I had a peppermint mocha in my hand. It was snowing. The carpenters were playing. I was like, you know. And if anybody follows me on Instagram, as weird as Saturday was, flash forward to Monday, where it was over 45 degrees and really sunny. And my husband and I went to the zoo because I had tickets. I donated blood to Hawksworth. I did my did my part and got free tickets. And I was like, holy shit, we better use these before the end of the year. And um, it was a really nice day. And what was really cool is the Festival of Lights hasn't, it's this week it starts. So they were, it hadn't started yet. And there was, first of all, I don't think I've ever in my whole 30 plus years on this planet have ever been to that, to the Cincinnati Zoo and there'd be almost no people there. So that was incredible. Um, but we got to see them putting the Christmas lights up. So it was really That's cool. cool though. Like all the Christmas lights that were up and watching them put the tree up. And it was really, really neat. Like, did you did you walk around going, <laughs> pretty paper, pretty ribbons of blue. I should have. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been perfect? Though? Fucking Willie Nelson. I didn't, Nelson. Think of, I didn't even think of that. I don't know why that is the song that will always pop in my head. Pretty paper. Pretty ribbons. That's a great song. But yeah, most of the animals were out. It was a really good day to go to the zoo. It really was. It was really nice. Um, I love the zoo. I don't know. Zoos are cool. I like zoos. I like the zoo myself. I like the zoo. And our, our zoo is really cool. And does a lot like with Columbus. Even though I have to go to Columbus Zoo at some point. In my I life, would like to. Because that's bigger. Mm -hmm. But like... um. With Jack Hanna and like Thane Maynard in Cincinnati, like they've also that that is one of the coolest fucking names ever. Thane Maynard, it's like the coolest. That is such a cool, that fucking is name. A really cool name. And it's like what they've done for conservation work and just really getting kids involved in 
caring about animals uh, is really awesome. Because that was some of my earliest experiences of going to the zoo as a kid and really becoming so fascinated with learning more about animals. Like, it's just a totally different perspective. Also, the hippo, the baby hippos are so cute. Yeah, that fucking baby hippo is so goddamn adorable. <laughs> He's so Fucking I cute. love the little baby. He's so the little baby. He's three hundred pounds, so he's not really little. But he's, I mean, fucking same. compared to what the listen, the perspective is so off when you actually see them in person, and you're like, holy fuck, hippos are huge. They're thick because the, the adult hippos weigh at least like a thousand pounds or, or more. Like yeah, like fifteen hundred pounds or something. Yeah. Like that. So. My lord, we had a blast. So, uh, and apparently next week it's like Monday. It's going to be fifty degrees. So I don't know what's. Yeah, going I saw on. that. Like next week's supposed to be I wild, did. and it's literally going to get in the teens like the next couple days. So. Yeah, sounds about right. It's you know, it's Ohio. It's Midwest. It's Midwest weather, so it happens. Um. Anyway, guys. So if you, I was talking with Casper, and I. I'm pretty sure we did our original Manson episode was one of our, if you've been a long time listener uh, and we started back in 2019, I believe that Manson was one of our originals because it was kind of one of those, you know, we, we wanted to get Bundy out of the way and, and all of the ones that everybody is familiar enough with that, you know, Gacy and all of that. So I think we did at least, I think it was that November. Yeah, because we planned it around his birthday. So it was November of 2019. Um, and, you know, a lot of the information that we had at the time, and I think just a lot of the information that most people have about Charles Manson and the Manson family is really solely based on the trial and more importantly, uh, Vincent Bugliosi, who was the uh, prosecutor who wrote Helter Skelter. Um, and not really giving, you know, not really thinking much more about it. You know, you had this guy that came out of these horrible circumstances uh, born in Cincinnati of all things and um, you know just had a pretty terrible life and then lands in California in the 60s and convinces all these young kids to join this cult and they murder a famous actress and her friends she horribly was pregnant at the, unfortunately was pregnant at the time so it was her and her baby which was just fucking awful and then this other just innocent family you know, and blame it on this race war and yada, yada, yada. But like, what if there was more to the story? What if there was more like, not so much making excuses for what happened or really justifying what happened, but kind of leading you to like, wait a minute here. Like, this is kind of wild to think that this could be a connection and possibly uh, an add on to what happened to the story, really. So um, we... I actually found out about this and told Casper about it because of a, um, so this is, this is coming from a book that was written in 2019 called Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA and the Secret History of the 60s. And it was written by a man named Tom O'Neill. So I found about, I have, I've not read the book yet. I do plan on reading it at some point, but Tom O'Neill, uh, I found out about him. If anybody gets a chance and bias aside, I don't, I don't care. Uh, 
he did an amazing, I don't remember when it was done, but he did an amazing interview with Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan found out about him because another comic was actually neighbors with Tom O'Neill, great comic named Greg Fitzsimmons. And uh, he told him like, you've got to interview this guy. He's been working on this book. It started off as an article that he was supposed to, Tom O'Neill has been a journalist for many years. It started off as an article that he was supposed to be working on for a news publication at the time that literally took on well over a decade of research that he dove deep into this story about Manson and just poured his whole life into this and wrote this book. And it just, it blew the doors open on the whole story. Um, even to the point that I was letting Casper know. Now, a lot of our original source material when we did our original episode about Manson was on Wikipedia. Sources cited, different places. Again, and most people are going by the trial and what Vincent Bugliosi put out there. But nobody, nobody would have ever thought to put the connection between. Now, anybody that wants to dive into the CIA MK Ultra thing, I highly recommend. That is not a conspiracy theory that actually happened. The CIA were using, they were dosing people without their permission and using them as basically test dummies. And a lot of these people ruined their lives. One man even killed himself. He had a family. There's an amazing, I'll, I'll try to find it towards the end to let everybody know. Please watch the documentary on Netflix. It's so good. The government had to admit to it and actually paid the family money and then tried to take the money back the store it's wild it's what so knowing all of this and you know finding out originally about mk ultra and all this stuff and the cia doing this and you're like this is crazy but now this connection with manson and the cia and lsd you're like okay hold on a minute because now part of the story with manson and the cult was that they would do drugs, specifically LSD, hallucinogens, one of the most popular in the 60s. Open your mind, yada, yada, Timothy Leary, all that good stuff. So he would give, now this is true to the story because all the Manson members corroborated this, including Manson himself, that they would all take LSD and while under the influence of LSD, Manson would just fill their heads with all of this. Now, mind you, Manson studied Scientology. He knew how to manipulate people. He would give higher doses of LSD to his followers than what he would take so he could stay somewhat lucid. They would have these orgies and he would just give these, these straight, he would tell them they're fairies, yada, yada, yada. A lot of it in the beginning was very magical and beautiful and all this until it got dark. And we know when it got dark was when they were running out of money when Dennis Wilson said he would not make an album with them and they were getting desperate. And that's when the talk of the murders started. Uh, was Charles Manson racist? Yes. So yeah, you could say that they were racially motivated, but majority of it was fueled, I believe, by the need for money because they just didn't have any. And they thought that maybe this would bring them some kind of notoriety at some point. You know, obviously nobody's thinking with a clear head because on on top of being on LSD, we know that Manson was he was diagnosed schizophrenic. He had all these other. Pro I mean, you know, you, we we went way down the backstory of just how he was born. It was just he was just an unfortunate 
there's just, I mean, I really believe there's unfortunate souls that are born into this world. They're just born in the worst circumstances possible. And a lot of them just don't make it out on the other side in a good way. And Manson was just one of those people. And that's no excuses at all to what happened and what he did. Even though he never actually killed somebody. Now, apparently there was an attempted murder that a journalist did mention happen and happened that uh, the man lived that Manson actually did try to kill somebody, but he never... He was not specifically involved as far as he was the one that killed anybody in the Tate murders or anybody in the Alabianca murders, but obviously played a, a role in what happened. But so did the CIA. So even to the point that now Wikipedia has actually changed some of Manson's um, story on their page to include a lot of this information and I just want to give a little snippet before we get into this incredible article that does a really good job of breaking down Tom's book and uh, Lauren Kuntz wrote this in February of this past year the strange case of Charles Manson and the CIA's LS LSD research um so no relation but Roger Smith was uh Manson's probation officer and uh, David Smith was the founder of the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic, which operated in Northern California, uh, around where Manson uh, and the, the family, quote unquote, were. So less than a month after Manson was released from prison in 1967, he moved to Berkeley from L.A., where he would have another probation violation. Instead, after calling the San Francisco probation office, he was transferred to the supervision of Roger Smith, who not only was a federal probation officer, he was a criminology doctoral researcher. Until the spring of 1968, Smith worked at the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic that was founded by David Smith, which Manson and his family would frequent throughout their stay in Haight. Now, Haight-Ashbury was this street in San Francisco that was really famous, known for hippies. And this free medical clinic was actually where a lot of people would come that were low income that would get, get medical care, right? Well, under the guise of this medical clinic, Roger Smith and David Smith, the founder, were both receiving funds from the National Institute of Health and the CIA for the... I don't know why it's the National Institute of Health all of a sudden. Anyway, um... <laughs> Uh, we're not going down that rabbit hole. You guys can do that on your own. That's nothing to do with Manson right now. Um, the National Institute of Health and the CIA were funding the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic to study the effects of LSD on the quote-unquote counterculture movement, the hippies, and Haight-Ashbury. Without people knowing. Manson knew. The patients at the clinic became subjects of the research, including Manson, and expanded into his mostly female followers who came to see Roger Smith regularly. Now, Roger Smith would even go to uh, Spawn Ranch. Roger Smith went there. Roger Smith was a part of one of the LSD orgies that happened. This man that's being funded by the CIA and the National Institute of Health. That's a re this was for research though, right? Yes. This is all for research purposes. I too do orgies for research. This is all purposes. for research purposes, right? On LSD. On LSD. Right. So Manson received permission from Roger to move from Berkeley to Haight Ashbury. He first took LSD there and would use it frequently during that time. 
David Smith, who had studied the effects of LSD on rodents, wrote that the change in Manson's personality during this time was the most abrupt that had ever been observed in his professional career. Okay. Manson read a book called Stranger in a Strange Land, a science fiction novel by Robert Heinlein. Um, now, I actually have this book myself. It was one of my dad's favorite books. Um, it's kind of a, it, it's a, it's a bit of a hippy-dippy book. It came out in the 60s. It's science fiction. I can see why people would have liked it. So this is what the book was about. It was a story of a man named Valentine Michael Smith, who was a human that comes to Earth in the early adulthood after being born on Mars and he explores the interaction with and eventual transformation of Earth's sculpture. It's a really interesting book. But he kind of took it a step further, especially after the after all of these LSD experiment after all of these LSD experiment experiences that were being observed for research purposes by the CIA. It's wild. So uh, and again, this is when he started preaching more to the cult. The cults were coming. So now this is wild. In 1971, David Smith, who again was the founder of the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic, he wrote a book in 1971 that was largely ignored called Love Needs Care. Now, unfortunately, the hardback cover is like $75 on Amazon. It's like one of these like really hard books to find. And I honestly believe that's because people were trying to hush this book. Um, because 1971, this would have been after the tape. This was after the murders. Mm -hmm. So uh, this book, David Smith writes that Manson attempted to reprogram the minds of his followers to submit totally to his will through the use of LSD and unconventional sexual practices that would turn his followers into empty vessels that would except anything being poured. By the end of his stay in hate in April of 1968, Manson had attracted 20 followers all under the supervision of his parole officer and the staff at the hate Ashbury Free Medical Clinic. By this time, you know, this was Tex Watson, uh, Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, Leslie Van Houten, Sweetie Frome, so all of the people that were involved with the murders. Uh, and the reason I wanted to bring up, and this is, this is what was kind of the, the crux of a lot of this is that through the six, you know, through these latter part of the sixties, Manson was getting out of everything. He had a lot of arrests that happened. And because Roger Smith had this pool, it even says right here on the Wikipedia page, supervised by his parole officer, Manson grew his family through drug use and prostitution without interference from authorities. This went on for almost two years. <laughs> now, where did Roger Smith and David Smith go after after 1969? Why was his Why was his Bush or his Bush? Jesus Christ! <laughs> Sorry, I. I got are you thinking about the orgies right now? No, apparently I am. That's where my mind went. I got distracted. My mind uh, went well, apparently to the his bush. My mind went straight to the orgies. Why was the book completely ignored? Why right after the trials, this book that David Smith wrote, telling, kind of spilling the beans on a lot of stuff. Why did nobody know about this book? 
Why did nobody know about this? Why did this CIA research just stop? So what's really crazy. Wait, can you say that, that one more time? Why did the CIA research just stop? Like what, what happened? So <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. I was, it wasn't working. I'm sorry. I was that like, was say fucking, it again. That was say it one more time. Perfect. Why was, why did all this CIA research just stop? Okay. Perfect. You may continue. It was perfect. <laughs> so, and just a little side note, after Tom O'Neill's book came out with all of this information with just, th this this book is a really, I mean, it's a thick book too. It would probably take me a while to get through. Is it like this Stephen King? So, yeah. Oh. This book had so much research in it and so much uh, corroborating evidence that after this book came out, now mind you, this clinic had been running for well over 50 years, the clinic shut down. Were they still doing the, were they still doing the experiments on people? Or did, you know, did the book have something to do with it? <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Don't play the ad. It just lost all. Things. That was great. <laughs> that was fucking great. So, um... I need to have this readily available, because it keeps just being stupid. Okay, so now we're going to get into the... I had to give everybody a quick backstory to all of that, because I know that when we told you guys we were going to do this episode, people were like, didn't they already talk about Manson? Wait, the CIA and Manson? What the fuck? Yeah, we I didn't talk nothing. about the CIA I mean, and Manson. I didn't know about this. We didn't mm -hmm. know that the the book had just come out uh, Rogan hadn't even done, I think the interview might have been late 2019 or, or no, it was in 2020 sometime. It was in 2020 sometime. Uh, so I didn't know anything about this. We knew nothing about this. I don't think most people knew about this. And I don't feel like enough people are really talking about it uh, as far as the story goes. Um, so now, uh, now we know... And I think it's sort of interesting, the timing of the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood movie and this book coming out. So because now all of a sudden there's like this renewed interest in Manson. He just died and all this stuff. So it was really great of the timing of the book, even though Tom felt like there was more research to do. The guy is a really, I really appreciate journal, journalists like that, that are like, I, I don't care how long it takes. Like I'm going to, I'm going to get every bit of factual information I can in this, which really is how they book. all yeah, should I mean, be, to be honest. Need. So we'll start the article right at, um, in Tom's book. Again, it's called chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA and the secret history of the sixties. It is available on Amazon. I'm sure any other bookstores, uh, Tom O'Neill asked forensic psychologist, Alan Shefflin, about the potentially tragic consequences of the CIA's experimental mind control program, MKUltra. Was it possible that the Manson murders were part of an MKUltra experiment gone wrong? Shefflin responded, no, it was an MKUltra experiment gone right. Yikes. Manson's cult called itself the family. Its home on an old movie set on the outskirts of Los Angeles became a haven for runaways, drug addicts, and misfits, several of whom were minors. The Manson family shocked America in 1969 when some of its members carried out nine gruesome murders in L.A. 
Among the victims was American actress and model Sharon Tate, who was eight and a half months pregnant at the time. The staggering brutality of the so-called crime of the century captured America's attention, as did the subsequent murder trial. The courtroom spectacle featured outbursts, threats by defendants with swastikas carved into their foreheads. <clears throat> the mo modus operandi, that freaking mm -hmm. word. <laughs> I was like the modus. <laughs> the modus operandi in the murders was especially sadistic. The killers smeared political messages in their victims' blood, including Helter Skelter, the misspelled name of a popular Beatles song. Consequently, America's faced a new reality in which harmless hippies suddenly appeared as the harbingers of horror. I almost read the word harbingers as hamburgers. And you know, I probably should You know what? Listen. I, hamburgers of horror sounds pretty awful. Hamburgers of horror. Fucking hilarious. It sounds like a terrifying McDonald's uh, That's exactly non-sanctioned horror movie. Non-FDA approved. Spin-off. Listen, like the, they made a smear. The hamburglar going around killing people. They made a hamburger. No. They made a spirit Halloween movie. You make a McDonald's horror movie. There you go. Um, for they made a Winnie the Pooh one, for God's sake. Listen, I can't wait to see that. I'm actually going to <laughs> For its part, the U.S. government was already distrustful of hippies. They were too communist, too, communist, too leftist, too anti-racist, too an anarchist, and too feminist. After Manchin's widely publicized trial, public opinion seemed to align accordingly. By 1967, Manson, the 32-year-old, had spent... You know, it's wild he was 32. Like, you... I can't... I can't fathom that he was that young. Like, my brain puts him in his 40s, 50s. But no. He was a baby. I mean, when he was doing all of this, this was right. wild. And the kid... But then the people that he got in the family to do this, they were 19, 18, 19, 20 years old. Babies. So... He was just young enough, but also just old enough to really be able to manipulate them and almost be like this older brother figure. Because even with just that much of an age span, you know, they're like, oh, God, he's lived so much more life than we have. And these kids, that was the other thing they all had together that he would really throw in their face is that they all came they didn't come from where he came from. They didn't have the life that he did. They actually had. I think apart from Squeaky Frome, they all pretty much had normal, you know, we, again, we probably already talked about this. They they had pretty, you know, Patricia Kernwinkle and, and all, you know, they, they came from pretty normal backgrounds and had pretty normal lives, like, you know, homecoming dances, mom and dad, holidays, all that good stuff. And I, you know, part of that too, you, you, if you're a teenager, you don't, you want to break away from that conformism and in the, the late sixties was, this was the perfect time. You know, your parent, you have parents that were raised in the depression era. So kids of the counterculture were breaking up. I think that's a lot of what you see now where, you know, those parents were raised like that. So if they didn't become the hippies, they were just as strict as their parents. So you've got a whole nother culture wanting to break away from you know, so that was something that he constantly used against those, the the kids in the group was like, you know, you came from these privileged homes and 
you know, you have no idea what it's like to really live. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, Manson didn't really live. He just was in and out of prison all the goddamn time. That's living. Yeah, apparently. Um, so he was 32 years old, had spent his life in prison for my... A myriad. Myriad crimes, including raping a boy. Following his parole that year from California's Terminal Island Prison, Manson ultimately made his way north to San Francisco. And while in the Bay Area, his inglorious life path took a turn for the truly bizarre, intersecting with four different CIA-funded drug research studies. His participation in two has since been confirmed. Manson's parole officer, a Berkeley doctoral student named Roger Smith, was part of a federally funded program researching LSD and drug use among San Francisco's population. His position as a parole officer allowed Smith to provide an element of immunity to his unwitting research subjects. Although he had the power to send Manson back to prison for violating the terms of his parole, Smith never reported the cult leader's numerous infractions. Thus, Manson remained free and hooked on drugs. Roger Smith's tenure... And and honest, and I just want to say real, real quick, too, because I, I know that there's an argument... Now, I, I'm not necessarily against psychedelics. I think in a controlled environment, and there's been a lot of research done, how much they can help. But one thing you've also got to remember, this is giving... Ele- Manson was schizophrenic. So this is also on some severe dangerous territory that you have given. Now that could have been latent and LSD just made it worse. There are a lot of drugs that affect the the nervous system and the hippocampus of the brain that a lot that could be totally fine for most people, but because of whatever he already had, you know, for lack of a better term, screw loose. It's like the LSD just loosened it and threw it out the fucking window. You know what I mean? Like you, you give that powerful of a hallucinogen to an already fractured brain. I mean, you got to think what could we partly blame them for what happened? Right. Not really. No. I mean, I, I, how could you, how could you say that? By letting him go and never locking him up and also giving this him this LSD and completely changing his behavior, like, I feel like I would, that kind of, I don't know. I sort of feel like it it holds them partly responsible. I, mean, I, I, I don't feel like you're wrong. I, I just, yeah, but I know people can have their arguments with that, but I, you know, this... That's why this is so important that this information come out because that argument needs to be out there. There, there wasn't just, it wasn't just this, he's this crazy racist that, you know, you know, this, the, the whole thing that Vincent Bugliosi wanted you to believe that this just came out of nowhere. It's like, well, where was it? Where the fuck was he getting all the goddamn drugs from? I mean, if there was LSD, that was always my biggest thing. There was literal, there was talks of like LSD use every day well you know you still had to pay for drugs back then right you know what i mean like, even it didn't just fall out of the sky no. you know just you know and these are people not with just no, like oh, they look. have no jobs these mm-hmm. are people with no jobs they were panhandling they were digging in dumpsters to get food there there was no jobs there was no money there was no way you know or they were prostituting themselves so there was no that was still not enough to get copious amounts of lsd every single day Not i mean this is every if you believe what was told this is every day so 
And that makes perfect sense. I never thought about it that way. Like, where the hell did they come from? Yeah. When this argument came out and you really started thinking about it and digging deep into like, okay, so there was just rampant where drugs have to come from somewhere. <laughs> there is a supplier and you have to give them monies. I mean, this is like tale as old as time. It's been going on barter and trade. This has been going on for a long fucking time. So it's like, yeah, where in the hell was he getting? And this wasn't like just some regular hashish or like when a dime bag was an actual dime or something probably back now um you know i'm thinking lsd would have been like holy shit you know like you had to like know a guy to know a guy to know a especially guy especially like, in the 60s and 70s i feel like you know yeah unless you were like the grateful dead or like hanging out with jefferson airplane or like you know, famous it's people. Like you said, I really feel like you got to know somebody. Yeah, it's, you this know is somebody. a strange. Yeah, so this gets more into into Roger Smith, which is this. Yeah. So his Nuts. tenure at the is it Hate? Yeah, it's Hate Ashbury. They were so Hate and Ashbury are streets. They're intersect intersecting streets in San Francisco. And down both streets were just a bunch of shops, this clinic, and a whole bunch of places that just so happened to become like the hippie haven in the late 60s. So if most people didn't know that, um, that's where the term hate Ashbury came from. It's so literally it's intersecting streets in San Francisco that just everybody sort of hung out. And that's kind of became synonymous to the... If you're going to San Francisco, that's, you know, the song. Sing it. Watch Forrest Gump. <laughs> the rise of the song. <laughs> Roger Smith's tenure at Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic allowed him to collaborate with David Smith, no relation, a medical doctor with pharmacology experience and the founder of the clinic. In exchange for federal funding, courtesy of the CIA, the pair researched recreational drug use among their patients. Soon enough, the clinic's doctors and clinicians. Whoa. Clinicians. Clin yeah, you got it. Clinicians? I know it's clinicians, okay. yeah. That just sounds not right at all. Began to recognize the frequent presence of young runaways and addicts who belonged to Manson's cult. An assistant researcher named Alan Rose took the initiative to visit the Manson family's Los Angeles compound. I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Hold on. Manson family's Los Angeles compound where he used drugs and participated in bizarre sexual rites. After four months of immersive research, Rose returned to San Francisco. In 1970, Rose and David Smith co-authored the first scholarly study of the Manson family called The Group Marriage Commune, a case study. So that was also mentioned in that 1971 book that David Smith wrote. So that's why I'm just like, where, where did this case study and where did that book go? During the trial, like, poofed, it's gone. So another of the clinic's researchers, Lewis Jolly West. So if anybody really wants to go down the rabbit hole about the MK Ultra thing, just Google Jolly West and you're welcome. He ran a clandestine study about LSD and drug use among hippies. A CIA psychologist with a background in deprogramming victims of brainwashing. West refitted a dilapidated Victorian home near the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic 
and he used this as a fake hippie crash pad, a ploy to study drug addiction and homelessness. Now, Jolly West was a part of the experiments where they would lure men. So men would go to bars and they would pay the C Jolly West and the CIA would pay prostitutes to slip LSD in men's drinks and make these men think that they're going to get, you know, lucky for the night. The men conk out and all of a sudden they're in a back room and they're being observed by these quote unquote researchers on full effects of LSD. So, I mean, you're talking, people are tripping out. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen to you. If you've never been on this, could you, I think if you knew and you had an idea of what you were going to experience, that would be one thing, but you think you're about to get your rocks off with this hot prostitute at this bar. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're seeing Papa Smurf standing in the corner. Like, I don't know. I you know what I'm saying. Like it's, it's wild. This, 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 like I said, just Google if you guys really want to go down that ra that rabbit hole, and you're like, our government. <laughs> anyway, so no offense, when... <laughs> but if you ever like our government, so go when... outside and touch some grass. <laughs> <laughs> go touch a tree. Go hug a tree. Uh, West worked for CIA chemist Sidney Godlin. He was the head of the MK Ultra program. A chemist. So you know that was some good LSD. Under Godless watch, you're this sorted, oh shit. You're like, yo, this sordid CIA operation administered LSD to unwitting subjects, attempted to synthesize the ultimate truth serum. That's what all. That's what all of this was about: is to try to gain some kind of weird truth serum to use against spies in the Cold War. Obviously, it didn't work. <laughs> I mean, just wild, and pursued. Quisotic research into creating the perfect assassin and implanting false memories. Manchurian candidate. After working for Godley at Lockland Air Force Base in Texas and at the University of Oklahoma, Wes moved to San Francisco where he met Roger and David Smith, again, no relation, and discovered their work at the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic. To fund its various LSD research programs in San Francisco, including brothels, it's like what I was telling you guys, the CIA explored several medical research organizations. A 1976 investigation by the New York Times revealed that the CIA had collaborated, again, and I mentioned this from that Wikipedia article, the National Institute of Health, the Foundation's Fund of Research in, Sci in Psychiatric, and the, I think it's pronounced the Geishinkter Fund for Medical Research, using them using all of these as fronts to conceal its involvement. The CIA supposedly terminated, allegedly terminated the MKUltra program in 1973. That's their official statement, but I don't trust nothing they have to say. Our government? <laughs> Our government? <laughs> you mean... Oh, by the way, the CIA terminated program in 1973, so we just need to act like that didn't. Did they? Are we what? Are we sure? Are we sure? <laughs> I'm just Our like, government? <laughs> you know, I'm going to keep this sound in my back pocket. Oh, my God. It's just too good for this episode because this shit is wild. I know. I mean, I'm. this is, it was... Especially with it, you know, November, we thought, okay, it's right around his birthday. It's right, right around when he died. 
this will be a perfect time to talk about this. Because, I mean, I, I've been sitting on this for so long and I, I'm like, I, I don't know, besides Tom going on Rogan's podcast, I think Greg Fitzsimmons interviewed him on his podcast. I don't really know any other podcast he's been on. And I feel like so many true crime podcasts are just completely ignoring this. Like they've talked about Manson. They they took Vincent Bugliosi's story helter skelter book that's all you need to know that's there's the movies the documentaries the true crime that's all anybody needs to know we don't need to be talking about manson anymore why wouldn't anybody want to know about this we know about this program we know about mk ultra we know this happened why wouldn't you want to know that manson and the manson family were involved with this as well that this this is the reason why this happened I'm so I mean, I, I, you know, people can can draw their own conclusions. I know a lot of people might not be happy to hear that, but this played a role. And you can't tell me, you know, that the two different statements that Manson's attitude drastically changed after taking LSD again, because you gave a fractured mind, a hallucinogenic drug. And you, you can't tell me this didn't play a role. This played a direct role in innocent people being brutally murdered, one of which was a woman that was eight and a half months pregnant. We knew Manson had the ugliness in him. I mean, there were a litany of crimes leading up to this, just horrible, horrible, awful things. This was not a good person. Manson was not a good person. He was capable of awful things. But I think to the just painting the narrative that this guy came out of nowhere and just rose to being this prominent cult leader that was just influencing all of these people. This story just did not add up to me. He was a little, he was a little fucking, he's well, a little fucking rat looking dude. He, he was not intelligent. He had a very low IQ. He, there was nothing, nothing enigmatic at all about Manson. Nothing. Not mention, you're giving someone who's already got a hallucinogenic mental problem. Yeah, you, and halluc then you're giving you hallucinate them when you're schizophrenic. A hallucinogenic drug. So you're heightening that. Like there's so much hallucinations They're going on. He's believing his delusions. Mm -hmm. He's starting to believe his delusions. And he's pushing that out on other people. And they're seeing... They're hallucinating and seeing delusions. So they're like, oh, well, then everything I'm seeing is real. No. Everything I'm seeing is real. Charlie told us we could sprout rings and fly into the sky. I mean, I fucking wish. Same. Traffic I, would be so Would it, though? Or would we just be I running know, into be, everybody? We'd all be flying into each other. Yeah, we'd all be flying into each other. <laughs> For his part, Manson ditched San Francisco for Los Angeles in late 1968. A year later, his madness worsened by the CIA's irresponsible LSD research, some argue. Are, we are the sum. We are, we are the arguing. <laughs> we are the, we are the arguing. We are the sum arguing, yes. Came to its tragic fruition. In researching his book, O'Neill uncovered evidence that Los Angeles area law enforcement investigators mishandled multiple aspects of the Manson case. Shocker. O'Neill also claims that the Los Angeles Police Department destroyed records from the 1969 homicide investigation. However, the author, a prosecutor, I skipped a sentence, I'm sorry. The author concedes that attorney Vincent Bugliosi, I know that you. freaking, I practiced that a lot today because I knew I was going to be saying it. 
I was like, Boogaloosi. Boogle- I kept Boogliosi. Boogliosi. <laughs> I practiced the hell out of that name. <laughs> a prosecutor in the Manson family murder trial may simply have forgotten to return the documents which he used to write. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys, I sneezed. And then I had to take it out of the podcast. It was, it was loud. So and loud. I'll give it to you guys. So, uh, which he used to write his 1970 book on the Manson family, Helter Skelter. So maybe they weren't destroyed. Maybe Bugliosi just stole them to write his goddamn book. Our government? I didn't have it ready. <laughs> I'm on the wrong thing. I need to get better about that. <laughs> Bugliosi's book established the definitive historical narrative regarding the 1969 murders, noticeably excluding the CIA's central role. In chaos, however, O'Neill refutes many of Bugliosi's assertions. In fact, Stephen Kay, who co-prosecuted the Manson murder trial with Bugliosi, told O'Neill that the uncovered evidence in chaos could be enough to overturn the original verdicts. Yet they will not let Leslie Van Ha they will not let these women out of prison. No. They won't let any of them out of prison. Even after all of this, Stephen K co-prosecuted with Bugliosi and told him that O'Neill had enough evidence that if it was they're not going to. They're not they're just listen, you guys gotta know enough about the system. No, it just they're not gonna do it. Politics surrounding a hypothetical retrial, as well as the inevitable media fallout, would certainly present the CIA with a public relations disaster. Really? Add it to the list. Anyway. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you. (laughs) I was better that time. Uh, Moreover, investigators still suspect that Manson's acolytes might have participated in as many as 12 other unsolved murders. A damning aside, should the courts ultimately rule that the CIA's LSD research programs played a role in inciting the Manson family's 1969 murders? Yes. <laughs> I believe the answer to that is yes. Oh, by the way, the um, CIA, the MK Ultra uh, program that I discussed about basically where they were... Uh, Johns, as they were called, that as they're referred to, men that pick up prostitutes were basically uh, dosed with. Uh, and I, I guys, listen. I don't mean just your run of the mill little little pinch of LSD. I'm talking hef. They were giving these men heavy doses of LSD because this is before they even knew really how to dose it. They don't. They're like. Mm. Let's give him like five drops. <laughs> this guy's on fucking Pluto. Um, it was. It's called uh, Midnight Climax. I do enjoy Operation Midnight. <laughs> Operation Midnight Climax is exactly what it sounds like. So it was Operation Midnight Climax because they these guys would go to these brothels or these bars under the guise that they're going to get a prostitute. The prostitute is being paid by the CIA to give these innocent men. Some of them they did, now get this, a lot of these were actually, they would do these near army bases. So a lot of times these were soldiers that were walking into these brothels and bars. 
I mean, everyone. That were being dosed. Listen, sometimes you love a midnight like climax. There's just a lot. I'm telling you, just if you if you go like CIA operation and just Google, it's gonna be Operation This, Operation That. It's best not to. You don't want to go. <laughs> you guys don't want to. You don't want to go there. Gonna be like, I don't trust anything. Go touch your breasts. <laughs> be like, oh look more. <laughs> All right, I can so literally see your uh, husband coming home, opening the door, and you being like, papers deep, f f fucking, it's always sunny guy with his wall. Charlie point. At the and you're like, listen. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I have done with oh, that sound now. God, I love it. Order. Listen, it, it needed it. Like, this, we went, we went fucking deep, man. This went deep, and it it needed to because As, people fucking need to know about this. It's just it's wild that this has gone on. This went on for this long that it took until twenty nineteen to expose all of this. You mean to like how in twenty twenty they just finally realized well, the aliens were real, or I mean not realized, but you know acknowledged. I mean the government, right? So if anybody is interested and you have Spotify, it actually might. It's still on YouTube. It I think it's still on YouTube. Some of the old episodes are still on YouTube. It might be. So it was in April of 2020, episode 1459 of the Joe Rogan Experience is where he interviewed Tom O'Neill. Now, mind you, guys, these are these go long uh i don't i don't i think the shortest joe rogan podcast is just about two hours so um they go long i don't i don't remember how long this one was it's probably at least two or three hours but it is well worth it if especially if you're if you're not a reader if you don't want to do the audiobook if you don't it you're you're getting the best abridged version of the book you can from the man that wrote it. And going also into the backstory of how he started this, which is so interesting that like he got, he got fired from the paper that he was supposed to be article for because he's like, this cannot be an article. This has to be a book. Like people need to know about, about this, you know, like, and just fucking bravo to Tom O'Neill, you know? Cause this guy's older and you know, this, this got that fucking clinic shut down. This is, this is why I don't buy it. Why did the clinic, why did the clinic shut down in 29? Why did it just now shut down? This book comes out and all of a sudden, but the program ended in 73, right? So what's the problem? Why couldn't you guys have stayed open? Why did the book scare you? What did that have to do with anything? I don't trust that. <laughs> <laughs> that shit will get you hyped. Listen, that is one theme song. That shit will get you hyped. You're like, oh, it's about to get real. That one is. You can't tell me that the CSI shows didn't have amazing. Music. I can't stand David Crusoe, but. Oh, that was a different Who song, but it's still a good song. CSI oh. Miami. I hate a CSI Miami. 
I was talking about regular CSI. I know. It was still a Who song. Was it? Yeah. It was good. Grissom, but I can't stand I, I can't. left the show, I didn't care for it as much. Why he's like Lawrence did he have a Hispanic name? And he, no. Why, like, straight up, they gave, like, David Caruso is the most Irish looking dude. And they gave him the name Horatio. Oh, yeah. Like, what? I, <laughs> where? Where is Horatio? Bitch, where? Where is Horatio? I would love to know in this very ginger white man where in the world. I don't know. He could be. Listen, there are some gingers out there that are biracial and the ginger just heavily takes over. It's like, I guess it's like you could be half Spanish, but then half ginger and the ginger just swallows. It's gotta be like for real though, because like Spanish is pretty dominant. So it is. It's, it's, that's, it's funny to me. It is. It, it just, where is the ratio? Yeah. I would love to know. Cause sir, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. I am not seeing it. (laughs) Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that. And I, you know, I implore everybody to listen to that Rogan episode or read the book. Like I said, it's available on Amazon. They've got the audio book, uh, paperback, whatever, um, or just anywhere else. Great song. Or just anywhere else books are available. But, uh, I, listen, I challenge other true crime podcasts to finally start talking about this. I don't see anybody talking about this. And this needs to be told. More people need to have Tom O'Neill on. And this story needs to be told. As far as I'm concerned, and and he's nailed it, they are responsible for this. Do you know why no one's talking about so, it? Because no one wants to touch the grass. Boom, boom. <laughs> you know, it just... Look, you know, guys, we we know and we know, unfortunately, the I'm literally about to say the criminal justice system. I'm sorry. It just keeps going back to law and we're trying not to. But, um, you know, if you go back and listen to our West Memphis three case and just the horrible miscarriages of justice that went on for so long that you mean really gonna... didn't even result in justice they had to enter an alfred plea to get out so it's are you like... sitting there and telling me that our justice system sucks no it's totally fair okay totally fair. as long as you never gets anything right wrong at right wrong wrong but you said it right Freudian <laughs> <laughs> whoops whoops <laughs> Never gets anything right. Wrong. It, 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 shit. I, know, I, I glitched. I'm sorry. Uh, the Matrix. Um. Anyway, so guys, yeah, please um, just keep an open mind about things and do your own damn research. You know, there is a wealth of knowledge out there. The internet can be used for so much good. Put it to good use and look into stuff like this and make up your own minds. But it doesn't make you, I think you're more pro anything if you want to know everything about your government. The good, the bad, the indifferent. You know, you, you need, you deserve as people, things should not be censored from you. There shouldn't be things, I, I feel like it's such an insult as an intelligent, even, even as an adult, as someone that could just make up your own mind that things have to be censored from you because the media, the government, whomever thinks that, well, you just can't handle it. Well, who the fuck are you to say that? I can't, I can't handle to know this. So 
It's all not, that's all I'm going to say. You it's guys not can't, you can't and this handle it. It's we don't want to tell you. That's what it is. They don't want it. That's what it is. Well, bravo to Tom O'Neill for this book. I am so glad. And, and bravo to all of the amazing journalists and writers out there that don't care, that pour their lives into this. That Did the mirror freak you out? <laughs> I love you. Casper had a moment. So my head lined up with the wreath and I was like, bitch, what the fuck is behind me? Mm -mm, nothing. It's the CIA. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> still uh, just bravo to journalists and writers out there that are doing the job that are, that are actually doing their jobs that are putting up the good fight and really continuing to bring people factual information by doing what they should be doing they're being journalists and they're being writers and uh we we need them we need them so bravo to tom o'neill yes so next week next week's exciting oh my god first of all next week's gonna be on tuesday just to let you guys know um, we do have turkey day so yes uh wednesday i usually spend with my dad's side of the family which is going to be happening so we are going to be releasing tuesday's episode early um, because we are recording it on Sunday. Yes. Because. So you guys know when we record on a weekend, what yes, that means. Something's happening. I'll let you say, because you're the one who booked it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like we talked about last week, um, and we are, we have secured it. We secured the bag, guys. Um, hopefully everybody got a chance to watch the Andy Baker tape to support that movie. It's fucking amazing. It's on Tubi. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on YouTube. Um, Brett Lada, who plays, and I'm so sorry, Brett, if I'm butchering your last name, uh, he plays Jeff Blake in the movie, and he is going to be joining us to talk about the Andy Baker tape. Um, I'm so excited about this, and I'm so grateful and thankful that he was able to take the time out to make this happen, because we didn't know if this was going to happen. We were going to try to make it happen. We were going to do everything we could to make it happen, even if it didn't happen before the end of the year, but we were able to get it. I'm so excited, because this movie is really gaining a lot of traction. It's winning a lot of independent awards and it deserves it because this movie's awesome. And it's uh, a found footage hidden gem. Man, I'm telling you, found footage, something happened. If, if any good came out of the, the panorama, the especially with, with found footage genre of horror, it really, that seemed to be one of the easiest concepts to work given the restrictions. But it, if you nailed it, you nailed it. And there were some real, real gems that came out of the chaos of all of that. And the Andy Baker tape is one of them. And I'm so excited we got Brett for this interview. So, uh, yeah, we hope you guys got a chance to watch the movie. If not, you still have time. And um, please just so show support because it's very short independent filmmakers need this actually a little law and order plug i checked out brett's imdb i know he is he did a lot of my dad knew what listen my father and okay listen, that's me with criminal minds though i get it that's, that's seen, me with criminal minds and it was csi so you know that's his jam i love csi so my dad's like oh my god i remember that episode that's who you're gonna be talking to dad not about law and order but yes uh <laughs> We can just throw that in there. And, <laughs> I mean, that's not <laughs> just 
Sorry. I had to throw that out there because that, that cracked is, me up. I'm I like, did. I looked good up Lord, man. Have you seen every? Yes, he's seen every episode. So. I mean, so is Alex. I mean, it's huge. See, it's a that... great. Listen, I used to watch the show like that, though. I did. I used to watch it like that. I Criminal love Minds, Minds, Criminal so Minds, much. CSI, and Law and Order uh, SVU was like. I, I watched them a lot. I just, I don't get it. I just don't watch them as often as I used to. I've been getting into my ghost shows a little bit too heavy lately. I finally um, have Kindred Spirits. You know what? I finally gave now. a chance. My husband finally gave a chance. And I'm so glad we did because these dudes are fucking. Wait, is it that Ghost Bros? The Ghost Bros. Is it good? Because <laughs> I've heard a lot of people talk about they it. They handcuffed him to the bed in the conjuring house. So, and that was the funny. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. I would guys, shit myself. Please, I have never. These guys are fucking. I'm so glad we gave them a chance. I am so glad we gave them a shot. We watched the Conjuring House episode and um. Oh, where else did they go? They did go to Trans Allegheny, but we didn't. And they went to the Reformatory, but we didn't watch those. There was another one we watched. Yeah, the, the the Conjuring one was. I've never, I've never laughed so hard. I so please, we guys, need to try to get into Trans Allegheny next year. It's gonna be the next big one. Cause that's our first. I want to go to an asylum. We've yeah. never been to an asylum. I want to go to an asylum. Not an actual. Yeah. <laughs> Let me rephrase. <laughs> I want to go to there. I want to go to an asylum, a haunted one. I want to go to there. Yes, I don't want to actually. I don't actually want to go to. <laughs> Never again. No. Oh. <laughs> Technically, it wasn't. Girl interrupted. Anyway, so guys, make sure to go on Tubi and Prime and watch the Andy Baker tape. It is short and sweet and to the point, but it is so well done. Definitely, definitely really good. I loved it. It was one of those movies that really kept my attention. It's hard to do that these days, I'm telling you. Oh, me too. I mean, it kept me from the start. I was like, Oh, it was one of I'm those like, really good guys? Like, found footage films that well, because actually keep your attention. It was so real to me mm -hmm. because they're virtually unknowns. So you bought that. And you I think that's bloggers. what kept. I think that's what kept me so engaged because it was so the realism. It was. Did you so ever watch real. Superhost? No, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched it yet. Okay, because it reminded me a little bit of Superhost with the whole like YouTube bloggers type thing oh okay um, okay i i see a lot of the comparisons with creep which i get it but i can definitely see this becoming a thing where it's like youtube blogging TikTok people well it's a really easy thing to do low budget it's yeah. a really easy thing to do low budget that is within the zeitgeist that people are more familiar with. Mm -hmm. So you could very easily mm -hmm. write that into a horror. I mean, it's it's perfect for a horror film. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah, make sure film. to watch that. Um, Especially this one, just the whole concept. But so yeah, good. please watch it because uh, I can't, these are always the fun things about interviewing the directors and the producers and the people that are involved with the process of these films because you have a million and one questions after you watch these movies. 
Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, when you get even an hour of time with the people that were involved in the creating process, you're trying like, to condense you're it. You're like, man, tell me everything as fast as you can. <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you know we have all the socials. We have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at DFWTO Podcast, handle DFWTO8811. If you have any questions, concerns, or want to say hey, email us at DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. Also, please subscribe and give us a follow on Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iTunes. Make sure to leave a review. Um, yeah. I think we got everything. I think we did. We're on all the major platforms. Check us out. And go buy our merch. We've, Please buy our merch. We've had merch for officially a year. I got a re repost thing on my Facebook. Um, um, we should put up a sale. We should. Especially with the holidays coming up. So, guys, stay tuned for a sale. So, no I have really genuinely sucked about promoting it. And honestly, this year has been very hard on me mentally. This year's been hard on both of us. <laughs> and I, it's, it's, it's hard yeah. to promote and be happy not that I'm not happy we don't have merch, but be like, I have taken such a huge step back from Twitter this year. Huge. I've lost almost 300 followers on Twitter because I don't post every day. Well, Twitter literally went from being a dumpster fire to I don't even know what it is now. Basically dumpster fire squared. So it's been very Somebody pushed hard. the dumpster fire into a, uh, it's, it's an actual dump. It's actually like Chernobyl. It's a dumpster fire in Chernobyl. That's what's happening. It's Chernobyl. But like, it has been so good on my mental health to take such a step back away from social media that it's been hard to be even, I'm getting to the point where I may completely step away from my Twitter and just focus on the podcast because I'm like, I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, I don't give a shit about social media anymore. And because it's just so detrimental to my mental health, I'm like, I do so much better when I'm just scrolling through TikToks. Yeah. I've curated my, my Instagram reels and even I'm, I'm on Instagram more, but I've, I've pretty much curated my Instagram reels to being really positive. Mm-hmm. So, That's kind of where my TikTok is. And, and I've done the same thing to my TikTok yeah. too. Like I've curated both of them to be really positive. Um, and I think a lot of that, my husband helps me with a lot of that. Like a lot of the funny stuff I send you is like stuff my husband has sent me. And it's like, it keeps. And a lot of what's really funny because it's stuff that I've seen on TikTok already. It's, so I, I've curated to where it's cute animals, cute, funny babies, mm -hmm. and funny. Just funny ass videos. Some of them Karen videos are fucking hilarious. Oh my god, some of them I um, actually like watching. Oh, because there's some stupid. There's some hysterical, <laughs> hysterical ones. So yeah, I think it just you know again, like I said, there can be good that comes out of it, but there can also be a lot of bad. And we've both seen the really detrimental bad sides of social media, unfortunately, and a lot of people have. And there is nothing wrong, even if it's part of your job. You do it for your job. And then you leave it the fuck alone. Um, my dad just gave me another book to follow in the series of books I've been reading. So I'm probably going to be heavily stepping away for a while and reading my book because I fucking love to read. And I read a lot last year and I need to get back into reading again. So um, go outside, read a book. 
it, watch it doesn't it. even watch movies watch a movie watch movies watch tv shows watch some just there just, are some great documentaries out there's some great shows out uh -huh. there's some great series out there's some great movies out guys the second season of the vow the nexium shit is on hbo max and they're airing new episodes every monday so if you guys got into that nexium shit like <laughs> i did and you didn't know there was you're like, yo there's a second season out already yes there's a second season out already and they're like six like five or six episodes in and oh i didn't think it could get any worse and it got so much worse but yeah just just find positive things to do mental health is extremely important and you need to you need to surround yourself with with positive things and positive people so use it for good so there's your little lesson for the day. Use it for good. Use it for good. For good. Be the light. Be the light. Be the change you want to see in the world. Exactly. I hate that saying. I do too, but, but I, I also love it. But I love it true. too. Well, shitty people use it and you're like, you suck. Don't don't use a good Don't be the change you want to see because no. you're a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> John, John. Anyway. All right. We, we love, love you guys. We love you guys. Have a wonderful week. Go watch uh, the Andy Baker tape. Remember, Tuesday is going to be when the episode comes out, and it'll come out a little earlier than um, 8, 9 o'clock, like usual. And um, if you follow us and subscribe, you'll know. You'll yeah. you'll see it pop up. So you can catch up before Turkey Day. All right, guys. We love you. And remember, don't, don't fuck with, with the original. Mm -hmm. Bye. I had to become a vacuum.